Cloth Talk number 10, live from Lansing. Well, Ben, did you make it back to the Big Apple? Yes, I did. I made it back all in one piece, but I'm afraid to announce that I can't seem to find my iPod anywhere. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I know I had it on the way home somewhere, but I'm, it's probably just laying around here somewhere. I've got a big mess around here in my bedroom, so I'm hoping it's still around here somewhere, but um, as yet, it's not shown its face. But and it had all those interviews on it from Lansing, didn't it? <laughs> no, no. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately not. We, that was we were smart enough not to put that on anything. I was in charge of keeping it with. <laughs> well, you think uh, you think you've got a mess. I bet I've got the bigger mess. It looks like a equipment, of uh, iPod equipment or podcast equipment bomb went off in this room. I mean, and I it, it's terrible. I mean, I came back and uh, collapsed after driving, making a 14-hour trip in uh, about 11 hours. Uh, I, I guess we were going south and flying, and, and uh, the guy that I was following, I won't reveal any names, um, uh, was absolutely on fire. I mean, he was just flying. So uh, we made great time, <laughs> but I'm telling you. Uh, and then, of course, I had to go back to work, so... Uh, it's just I have I've had I've had a little bit of time to go through some of our recordings and it was just a great trip I tell you I it was just so much fun it was uh, refreshing to see so many young faces uh, that have uh, high uh, moral values and it was just spectacular just a great trip to meet everybody and say hello and and uh, actually put some faces to the people we've talked to before and I'm sure other people uh, thought we were just as ugly as they expected so <laughs> it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I think so. And it was great, too, to get out there and have people sort of be excited about Cloth Talk and what we're doing. And, and even though there were a lot of people out there that still didn't know what we were doing, they got a chance to see us and hear a little bit of the show at the Tradery and different stuff like that. So uh, for the most part, the reception was really excellent. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing more from all you people out there and uh, and you know let us know what you think. One thing I thought was interesting, Tim, is every day at the Tradery, uh, people would be coming in, wheeling in all their patches and, and boxes full of patches and all this stuff. And here we come wheeling in all this electronic equipment, <laughs> LCD monitors and microphones and all this stuff. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I was about ready to trade some of that stuff off that last day for some patches that were a little bit smaller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Easier to carry. I think we ended up taking way too much gear, but uh, we actually had a great training class too at NOAC, so we used a lot of that uh, gear there, but a lot of it we just didn't didn't need so that was it was a it was a great trip and uh, one thing I guess you could say over the next uh, several weeks we've got quite a bit of interviews from um, NOAC and and uh, the Traderie in the can and we'll just sort of slowly go through those uh, uh, really it was fascinating to meet and talk to some of the absolute experts in the patch trading community uh, people that uh, know all about whether it's a uh, cloth that we're talking about or uh, uh, you know, emblems or rankings or jamboree or literature, um, just to name a few. I mean, uh, my goodness, there was, uh, and you'd be standing there or a part of a conversation and you would be going, you know, I really should be recording this, but these, 
<laughs> I mean, it's just fascinating. But we didn't record anything without people knowing it, even though I wanted to a dozen times. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, me too. And and also, I think it was cool because you know we're we're kind of new at this to a certain degree, and I think we learned a lot about how to do things like this in the future. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll just keep getting better at what we do. So that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And. We, uh, I, I would like to apologize for not being able to post from NOAC, but actually the only uh, connectivity that we seem to run across, I had all the uh, ports to export large files and any kind of files, as a matter of fact, uh, that I could find uh, shut off. So the best we could do was actually just type up a little message, and that's okay because we, we were just going to post, and, and we may do this anyway, but it really won't count as a show, uh, the uh, promotional CD that we handed out. And uh, just for your reference, uh, may help uh, familiarize some people with what cloth talkie is. But uh, that, that that's what we were going to post. And after we sort of discovered that we really couldn't, and uh, I think it might have been the heat. You know, I don't think uh, FTP works when it's uh, 100 <laughs> degrees in Michigan. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. We were really, it's funny because I came back here to New York and everyone's talking about, oh, you missed the heat wave. Oh, it was so hot here. You missed the heat wave. I'm like, no, I think, uh, I think I caught the heat wave, actually. It was in Michigan, too, and we had no air conditioning. And people were like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was interesting. But it was a great time. And uh, once again, I'd like to thank Chris Jensen for uh, uh, the opportunity to be there at the uh, Traderie. And we arrived uh, Tuesday night, or I did, Tuesday night. And the auction was uh, moved right along. They must have done a good grief uh, more than a hundred pieces in in uh, like um, you know an hour and a half or two hours I mean he's really got that down to science and and people were kind of milling around and doing about their own thing and then when an item would come up they were all interested in they'd either walk over to a TV monitor or uh, you know turn their attention forward and and uh, it was it was fascinating it was uh, a great uh, a great time and uh, uh, that's what this sound uh, is playing under us here. That's uh, actually just a little bit of sound capture from the uh, from the auction. Nothing in particular, but it kind of gives you the uh, the idea that the auction, uh, the atmosphere of the auction, and the auctioneer was great. Absolutely fantastic. Lot number four, 1969 National Jamboree flag. <laughs> clean out the, to clean out Comer's dining hall, right? <laughs> yeah. Telling everyone our plans. Well, we must have handed out uh, quite a bit of uh, cloth talk swag there at uh, at various times during either NOAC or during the pre-ordeal. And uh, one thing we have noticed is a pickup of traffic on the wiki. And uh, some of you might not know what the wiki is, but it is a database open to everyone. And it's for you to put your story in, uh, the story of your lodge, your troop, your council, your district, even just yourself and your needs list. And it's a great place that everyone can go and take a look and figure out how to get back in touch with you or update what you've put in there. And uh, the community kind of maintains itself. Uh, Chris takes a look at it and cleans it up now and then. And and uh, it's just a great community resource for uh, keeping up with the history of scouting and your personal history and anything that has to do with 
with uh, the collecting community. Is, uh, did, is that about right, Ben? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think so. It, the, the great part about the wiki is it can be so many different things, or it can be just a few things to any individual. So, like, what I'm saying is you can go up there, and if you only want to find out about uh, the patches from your Order of the Air Lodge, you can certainly, once, once the community gets together and builds that, you can get up there and just do that. Or if you really want to dig in and create your own personal page and post all of your needs on your personal page, and you want to you want to edit and, and add your part to the scout history um, that is already there, you can certainly do that too. So it's really this incredible sort of tool that we can use to document uh, the history of scouting as it occurs. I should say, I don't, uh, we, the best way to get there is just to go to scouthistory.net or you can also get there by going to coughtalk.com and click on the left hand side there which is where the link to our wiki is and it's all right there out before you and uh, it is it can be a little um, hard to sort of grasp a hold of at first it doesn't look like a whole lot right now because it's still being built uh, by all of you out there who are contributing to it uh, but if you have any questions just send us an email or Chris is our expert on the wiki Chris at scouthistory.net and you can you can send him an email and he will be able to fix you right up there you go Matt was uh, gonna be here but he actually had to work can you uh, you know he had to work when, when, Working on the weekend. When he uses four-letter words like that, I'll leave him alone, okay? <laughs> so I know Matt wanted to be here, but uh, you'll, you'll hear him on some of these interviews, and, and we'll get him back as quick as possible uh, live with us. But uh, he had to do the four-letter word today, which is work. I don't envy him there. I try not to do that uh, as much as possible. I try not to do that on the weekends. So, so our, our heart certainly goes out to him Well, Ben, I know you talked to a whole lot of interesting people at uh, the Tradery and, and at NOAC, and uh, I talked to uh, many interesting people. I guess I better tell Terry Grove that his software is on, in the mail. <laughs> uh, I haven't sent it yet, Terry, but I will. And uh, you need to t when when you send that to him, you need to tell him that ex in exchange for the software, we're going to have to have him on the show to talk oh, to us. Absolutely, I think that's the deal that we made. And uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the the person that we are going to listen to today, the interview that we did at the um, at the Traderie, I keep wanting to say Jamboree, at the Traderie is Chuck Fisk, and Chuck uh, wrote one of the books, and I would uh, would say is one of the. Uh, experts on collecting scout literature uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the material that he uh, is an expert in is uh, stories that have been or whole books or whole, whole series of books that have been published uh, about scouting uh, over the years and uh, the stories inside and some of the neat uh, neat people that wrote those books and the uh, the uh, just all the ins and outs of, of that genre of collecting. It's not cloth, but it is uh, very historic uh, with scouting. And, and Chuck was just a, a, a very, uh, uh, just a wonderful individual to, to talk to, full of stories, and, and uh, uh, just, just, you know, had that uh, relaxed expertise about him. Well, we're sitting here at the Big Monster NOAC, pre-NOAC Traderie in uh, Lansing, Michigan, and with me is Chuck Fisk, and uh, Chuck has all kinds of stories. He's wearing a t-shirt that says, uh, stamp, uh, what is it? Scouts on Stamp Society International. International. Saucy. Saucy. Yeah. How cool. Where they lick them and stick them group. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how long have you been in Scouts, Chuck? 
62 years I'm going on. Yeah, I joined when I was 11. Uh, you couldn't join until you were 12 officially. Cub Scouts was nine years old, but I never got a Cub Pack going until I was 11. The Y Indian guides were way too strong in Hanover, New Hampshire. So when I joined, I immediately jumped in and got my lion award and went on and earned the arrow of light and then somebody said hey Fisk you're doing this all wrong you've got to be a bobcat first <laughs> so I went and got my bobcat and worked like crazy then to get my uh, bear and on the night that I could conceivably have finished up my wolf the troop was having a once a month uh, reception for new scouts so there was no doubt in my mind what I wanted to do so I joined Boy Scouts on my 12th birthday and never got the wolf. All right. Well, I'm sure you made up for it in your scouting. <laughs> scouting, I'm sure you did. Well, uh, t tell us some of your stories and tells. I've heard a lot of people have been telling me stories about you, and we'll, uh -oh. we'll, we'll just uh, s see if they're true. <laughs> that, that's worrisome. <laughs> what did you hear? What did you, oh, what uh, you hear? <laughs> all good, Chuck. All good. Uh, there are some that are not so good, but those I guess I won't go into. Too, but oh, I don't know. There have been so many high points over the years that I've celebrated. I was just discussing with uh, Ken uh, the uh, Hampton Roads, the new museum down there. Right. Are you aware of that? No, sir. It'll open in 2010. Uh, Ken Taylor. Yeah, you need to talk with him. He has the most fabulous collection of the Scoutmaster entire series of manuals plus the Boy Scout manuals, and he and I were confabbing a little bit. I have several of the manuals, but not in good shape. But we were discussing the Eagle Scout Award, and with some of the scouts from my troop in California, I was with uh, Troop 27 and 266 up at Lake Tahoe, and we did 50 milers on the John Muir and Pacific Crest Trail each summer. But one of the summers we climbed Eagle Scout Peak, and on top there is a register that is really, really touching. I hope someday somebody maybe photocopies it, but there are a number of Eagle Scout ashes that have been scattered there. Kids who died before they could climb the peak, ones who wanted to get the eagle. Then there are a batch of entries who couldn't see anything from the top of the peak because of the forest fire smoke, or we couldn't see anything because of an incipient uh, lightning storms coming in. Right. Wow. <laughs> so that is a place that people should try to go to. And then just a week ago, I took uh, one of my great challenges since 1969. Scouts Canada got a lake in Algonquin Provincial Park uh, dedicated to Lord Baden-Powell and so I've wanted to go in uh, ever since then and I made it in last week. Wow. There are two portages that the first one is a cinch it's only 200 meters but the second one is 405. Wow. <laughs> and I was the second person the second uh, person to sign in on the logbook this year and I met the group from Ottawa that were the first group that signed in this year but I asked the ranger um, why aren't there more uh, entries and she said that uh, perhaps they couldn't find it <laughs> <laughs> 
animals, so that's cool. So I've been a bit of a nut on Lord Baden-Powell for many years, and um, again, the uh, I guess the thing I'm proudest of was a few years ago, Doug Bierce and I wrote the book on scouting books. It's called Collecting Scouting Literature. Okay, okay. And basically it's a glorified checklist of everything that I knew of at that time. And we hope to come out with our third edition. It was supposed to come out for this event, but I'm slow now. <laughs> so we're looking maybe by January or February of next year for a vastly improved edition. What's the uh, earliest scout literature that, that one should be on the lookout for or well, be lucky if you can find? if you're really, really lucky and you want to collect uh, Baden-Pole material, his first uh, notation came out in, uh, during the Boer War in um, 1899 uh, and 2000. It's called Scouting for NCOs and Men. Little Red Book. The Little Red Book that started it all because according to legend he came back to London and found kids playing in the street. Asked them, what are you doing? Oh, there's this bloke bait and pole and we're using his book. Somebody encouraged him to read write it. All the rest is history. And that became scouting for boys. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Mm, uh, so, in the U.S., um, the earliest literature officially, of course, goes back to the 1910 uh, handbook that Ernest Thompson Seton uh, compiled. Woodcraft. And Would that been Woodcraft? That was, uh, it's actually the ninth edition of his Birchbark Roll. Birchbark. Uh, and uh, that became the official handbook, and it was rewritten. I think there were nine editions, but somebody was just telling me last night there is a hardcover that I don't know about that could be a possible tenth variety of that first official handbook is 1911. So, and uh, when did... Um Somebody that I had the privilege of meeting uh, when I was younger was uh, Green Barbill, William oh. Hillcourt. And uh, he, he got involved in writing the Scout Handbook uh, about when? For patrollers. For patrollers. Yeah. Uh, he broke his leg on the loading docks there in um, uh, New York and uh, said, you don't have a patrol leader's handbook. You've got to find a handbook for boys. You've got to find scoutmasters, but you're neglecting the most important kid in all of scouting. So he wrote the book. Earlier, he had written the Danish patrol leader's handbook. Right, right. Yeah, yeah so you knew Green Barville. I had the privilege of meeting him. I sure uh -huh. did. It was a fascinating He had never gentleman. compiled the listing of his writings, so I went and listed even some of the things he'd forgotten about. I'll bring the book over if you'd like well, to see it. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. We've probably rambled on as long as you ever want to hear me talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Are there any other stories that you'd like to document with us? No. You could get wind me up and I'd go on till midnight. Uh, that'd be fine with us. That would be fine don't with us. Don't want that many, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So you... 
I'm, I'm just thrilled to meet the people that have put in writing the uh, the history of these things for us and have documented it. And, and what we're trying to do at Cloth Talk is to document the story of those people and the story of the items uh, before the vocal history just fades away. And, and we know it will. And you know, it's one thing to have it documented in a book. It's something else to have uh, these these stories that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what it is. Regardless of what you enjoy collecting, it's the people and it's the stories and the camaraderie that we all really enjoy the patch or the literature is just an excuse to get together and it jogs your memory to of course of course <laughs> uh, that's one thing things that happen that's one thing i've enjoyed uh, being here at the tradery you walk walk around and you go oh yeah i haven't seen that patch and you know i used to have one of those in my uniform exactly <laughs> or that book you know, <laughs> that was my scout book <laughs> Well, there's one thing that I'm enormously proud of. My dad grew up in Kansas, and there were no lakes or anything, uh, not even irrigation ditches, things, so he had never learned to swim. So he got to life, but he'd never gotten his eagle. And he kept saying, Chuck, I'm going to get my eagle when you get yours. That was back when adults could get the eagle. And I said, yeah, sure, Dad. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll do that for sure. Completely unbeknownst to me, he went down to the Dartmouth College pool there in Hanover, New Hampshire. God is swimming in his life saving and I knew nothing about it until I walked up on the stage and saw the two Eagle medals. I was a little bit curious because there were people from Manchester Union, the newspaper out of Manchester that serves most of New Hampshire and Manchester was the other side of the moon. It was something like 90 miles away. People just didn't come. Also the scout executive was there and I couldn't figure that out. Uh, I knew I was as an eagle relatively important but that the exec should come over from Concord was also or no he was based in Manchester also and then I learned that my dad and I were the first father and son team to get the eagle in region one. That's a wonderful story. That's a wonderful story. (laughs) Yeah I'm I'm told that when I saw it I went and grabbed my dad and yelled you did it you did it you did it. <laughs> so we'll talk about surprises. Yeah, that, and what year would that have been? Nineteen forty-seven. I joined in forty-five. It took me two years. That's 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 a wonderful story there. <laughs> yeah, that was quite something. Um, so there have been some other high points. I was the first explorer to earn the Explorer Silver uh, Award in Region 8. They didn't even know how to do the paperwork. They had to send back to um, New Jersey to get the paperwork. (laughs) So I've had uh, a lot of good experiences that way. And I'm quite proud of my membership in Saucy. I was at the 1953 Jamboree, it was my first official Jamboree, and I saw this white-haired gentleman looking quite distinguished, looking at a display of stamps. And he asked me, do you collect stamps? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I did that when I was a little boy. I think I was 17 or 18 at the time. And yeah, I had to be 18 to serve on the Alpha Phi Omega uh, staff there. And he said, well, I'm going over to Liechtenstein, and I can get a sheet of stamps and singles and blocks of four of the new Liechtenstein stamp. Might even be able to get a card signed by uh, Prince Emmanuel. And I thought, uh-oh, I am dealing with somebody really big. <laughs> and so I said, how much would it cost? And he said, well, 
I can get you the whole works for um, seven and a half dollars probably. And I kind of gulped them because fifteen dollars was my total jamboree spending money. That would be half of it right there. But I didn't really want to appear too small, so I said okay, and I gave it to him. He said you won't get it until November uh, because I won't be coming back or I won't process it. Well, or he said just fall, and September came and October came and November, and I thought, oh shoot, I lost my seven and a half bucks. But he came through in spades with everything he said he could provide, and a signed autograph card from Victor Emanuel. And uh, so I joined an Amsasi member 146. Wow. It is Who was the gentleman number. that... Uh... Oh, I, oh, it's Art McKinney, uh, the assistant to Arthur Schock. Yeah, it was Art McKinney. And he was the then president of Saucy um, prior to Harry Thorson. And so I've been a member ever since. I'm life member 66. Sounds like you started off with the right connections. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I sure was proud to have met him, and, and um, yeah, he was a great gentleman. So, did you know Harry Thorson? No, I know the name, but I, I did not know him. He donated most of his collection to the uh, National Museum, of course. Yeah, there are great moments. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did you uh, did you uh, ever uh, see so you? You talked about meeting uh, and or, or knowing uh, William Hillcourt, uh, Green Bar Bill. What about any of the other what I would consider the founders of? Well, I think the first of the Baden Powell family that I met was Peter, and I got acquainted with him in seventy or rather in uh, 53, I think that was the Jambo that he was visiting. And then on three occasions, Lady BT came to Jamborees, and I'll never forget her beautiful burr of scouting higher and wider and deeper than the Indians. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful lady she was. Um, I met most of the family at Australia uh, in uh, 87, 88. They had a big family reunion there. Um, have you met or interviewed Greg Holt? No, sir. I've not. Oh, you should get acquainted with him. A wonderful <laughs> scouter in uh, Great Falls, Montana, member of the Baden Powell Society. And uh, he knew Betty Clay and got special permission from her to get the original clay model of the kneeling knight that was used for rover investitures. Yes, sir. And he has made bronzes uh, from that. Uh, he does just beautiful cast lost wax bronzes. Um, they're magnificent. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a rather interesting person. He had the idea that he was probably going to go with what I call the eight greats of scouting. Uh, Lord and Lady BP, and then I count in Boyce and um, Beard and Seaton, and then I count in Goodman and Hillcourt, and um, I just am not sure about James E. West. I guess I put him in in the grades, but he is a, certainly a character. <laughs> he is. Mm -hmm. I am told that I was introduced to him, but it made no dent on me. My dad did take me down to, um, at that time it was Two Park Avenue. And we did tour the offices, but if I met him, that doesn't stick. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he certainly is the reason the BSA is set up the way it is. Exactly. And uh, which is, we're kind of unique from uh, other world scouting programs. Oh yeah. And, and you really, I was lucky enough to be overseas for about ten years. So. Oh, where being, was? I was in Dharan, Saudi Arabia. And, oh wow. Uh, got to work with a lot of the British scouts and and even the Kashafa, which were the, the Saudi scouts and the, uh, the Kuwaiti scouts and all. But um, and they're a little bit, they're even a little more different because they're semi-associated with military, which really isn't part of the world scouting movement. But um, it was it was interesting to uh, see the way the scouts operate uh, all over the world. Uh, yeah. It really is. Yeah. Different, uh, slightly different, but all the same common values and skills. Right. And well, there is the enormous emphasis here on the scouting professionals, whereas most of the world either can't afford or doesn't have that emphasis. Very limited, right. There is so much more emphasis on the volunteers. But if West hadn't been so crusty and so single-minded with that drive, I don't think we would have probably survived. No. There's so much competition from all the others. That's true. And going along at that time. You do have to say, the way the BSA works, there are more boys, uh, youth involved in the in scouting because of the way the BSA works. And as you said, I don't think we would have survived either. Then the same model in the Europe, uh, European community, for example. Mm -hmm. I did just different cultures. So. I have one story that's always amusing. Uh, when I went to Berlin for the first time, I was uh, part of a World Council of Churches work camp that was working in Berlin Heiligensee, but I became acquainted with Heinz Salon, who at that time was the Berlin leader for the unrecognized German group, the Deutscher Fadfinderbund, and he subsequently became a member of the German Bundestag, and uh, in German, you know, there are the two forms of address, the formal Z, polite form which is used to strangers or to anyone that you respect but then there is the perdu the do form which is the like our English thou you probably know this but at any rate uh, in scouting you, you ordinarily if you're offered to speak perdu by the do form you can use that between scouters so later on I visited him when at that time the um, West German government was in Bonn not in Berlin but I went into his office and he came out and he greeted me and he, uh, I said, be gay to steer. How is things going with you? We're using the do form. And his secretary blanched completely white. Here was an American addressing a Bundestag member by the do form. <laughs> he turned to her and said, oh, this is perfectly okay, we're scouters. <laughs> the effrontery of somebody speaking to a, a minister with <laughs> the do form. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great story right there. That is a great story. Well, it goes to show, I think, the uh, bond of brotherhood and friendship in scouting. That's true. That's true. It's unlike any any other group I've <laughs> stumbled across. Uh, yeah. And I, my story is much like you. I was a Cub Scout and been in Scouts for, oh gosh, longer than I, longer than I can remember, practically. But, uh, Chuck, how long have you? How many years? Oh, let's see. Uh, Sixty-eight, two thousand eight. Is that right? Yeah, I would have been ten years old. So back it up even further than that. So uh, sixty-eight. It'd be forty years, right? Sixty-eight, seventy-eight. So thirty-eight uh, years. 
We're coming up on about 42 years or so. Doing all right yourself? Doing all right, yeah. (laughs) And how long have you been in? Oh gosh, let's see. um, I started when I was 12. I'm 25 now. So. 13 or 14 yeah, 13 years, or 14 years. Mm-hmm. so I got, I got a little catching up to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great trail. I, I sort of give my eye teeth to be back your age. Yeah. <laughs> that was when great things were happening. <laughs> great things are still happening, it's true. I've had a number of practical jokes played on me and I've played a couple of pretty good ones, but again one of the funniest happened over in when I was in the 4th Armored Division stationed in Gipping and a young Kristallstrafadfinder, one of the Protestant scouts, came up to me and said, Chuck, there's going to be an issue of postage stamps by West Germany uh, honoring scouting and it's going to, the first day ceremonies are going to take place up in Castle Willemshoa and would you go up and get some first day covers for me? Um, he knew I was interested in stamps and so on and I said yeah I'll be glad to if I can get leave so I wangled just about everything that I could wangle and got permission uh, got leave to go up uh, took a few of my days off and I got up to Castle Willems Willems Hall and nothing was happening Uh, it was just as dead as a doornail at the uh, national headquarters and so I said, well, this is a kind of an important day. Why isn't anything happening? And the secretary said, well, you can go in and talk to Gunther Storm and the chief scout uh, executive and find out. So I went in and I showed him the brochure that the kid had given me that said these are the stamps, even pictures that were pictured of the stamps and everything. And he looked at it for a few moments and then he started laughing like crazy. And I said, well, what's so funny? I don't, I don't see anything. He said, well, do you observe April 1st in America in any particular way? And I said, well, yes, we do. And he said, well, this is a joke that was played on me by my staff and I just learned about it this morning, but there is no stamp whatsoever. <laughs> so I've written that up. It appears in the Saucy Journal, but that's, that's one of the best jokes. It was it. They gave me some tea and cookies and sent me on my way. <laughs> that's a great story. Talk about falling for an April Fool's hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Oh, well. So you, will you be at NOAC? No, I couldn't afford it, so I'm going to be visiting for a couple of days, and then my summer home is up on the North Channel between Lake Superior and Lake Huron. My grandfather purchased the property back in 1928, and we have a series of letters in our family archives from the Canadian Pacific land agent who sold the uh, property to my grandfather. Can you pay $30? Can you pay $50? Can you pay anything? But all through 1929, my grandfather was in the heart of the crash. He was able to keep up the payments. Wow. And the property is now divided between his three children, and I've gotten the property through my mother. It must be a beautiful place up there. It is up on the North Town. To get up that way, you should stop by. Well, I would like to get your contact information. I surely would. Thank you very much, John. Uh, it was sure, welcome. a pleasure, <laughs> pleasure talking to you. Wow. 
what an excellent interview. That was really, really cool. I, I mean, I always knew that there were a lot of scouting publications out there, like the handbooks and all the old Order of the Arrow books and all that stuff, but there's so much more out there than I ever, I mean, it's just so vast. There's there's so much more, and, and, and Chuck just has this vast amount of knowledge, and he was so kind to come on and share it with us, and uh, we really, of course, appreciate that. What a great interview. Um, the good thing is we've got more more interviews like this and more good stuff coming um, that we recorded at the Tradery and at NOAC. So keep coming back uh, to the site because we've got much more where this came from. Yeah, what did you think about the way he pronounced Lord Baden Powell's said, name? Yeah, that's yeah. It makes me wonder if I've been pronouncing it wrong all this time um, because, yeah, he would say Lord Baden Powell, I believe is how he would pronounce it and I I didn't I've never heard that pronunciation but it's I certainly um would think that he would say it properly if you know more more so than I would so so it makes me want to find out which is which is actually the proper way to say it so I don't have to research that well I'll tell you something else Ben it was interesting to see a lot of the uh, traders that were my age there most of them I didn't know but uh, James had known a new and a lot of them brought their sons with them and uh, it was kind of showing them uh, uh, how they traded back in the day and and some of those uh, some of those uh, uh, youngsters were actually working the room uh, uh, pretty good they would make a trade over here and then take it over to another table and and get get more than what they traded for and it was interesting to watch some of these youngsters really uh, work the room, so to speak. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to uh, uh, talk to uh, Russ Dale and and his uh, his uh, son, and uh, to actually uh, talk to uh, uh, Kurt's son, uh, Kurt Doan's son. Uh, they were out uh, working the room and and just doing a uh, having a good time at the tradery. Yeah, it was cool. It was nice to see sort of that there's a, there's a new generation of patch collectors and patch traders out there um so uh, our hobby is certainly not in danger of being becoming extinct that's for sure just yesterday ben i was at a kusa ordeal and uh, of course uh, chris didn't did not get to go to, to noac uh which was a disappointment to him and to all of us as well but you know what he was doing he was saying hey hall where's my cloth talk swag he wanted his neckerchief, and he wanted his his little patch, and he wanted his wooden nickel. And uh, I just couldn't believe it, but I had to confess that I had his swag for him. I told him Ben took it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Chris is the data side of our house uh, expert, and we'd like to thank him for what he does on keeping the site up and, and uh, managing the wiki for us. And uh, Chris, I'll get you your swag this week, brother. Yeah, that's cool. And also, we want to thank everybody who we had a chance to talk to at NOAC. Anybody that stopped by the table there and talked to us for a moment, I want to thank you. Uh, you're the reason that we do this and you're the reason we can keep doing it. So uh, thank you for that. Also want to certainly thank Daniel Hodge, uh, our music man, as it were, uh, who provides all the music for our show. Um, he's out there in Alaska listening maybe somewhere. So thanks, Daniel. Uh, we appreciate all you do. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening. Come back and have a listen again soon. Yeah, if you got one of those promo CDs, uh, Daniel actually has a little speaking part on there, and you'll hear some of his other music. And uh, we, we hope to get Daniel on the show soon. But, yeah, thanks a lot. Well, Ben, thanks for uh, taking some time out and uh, helping us get caught up on Cloth Talk. We've got a lot in the can. There's a lot more to come. 
But for Ben Killen, this is Tim Hall saying thank you very much. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. This is Cloth Talk, bringing you the history of scouting through collectibles.